Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 32 of the Hooper's Log. It is a TNT Thursday. A TNT Thursday. We are now officially eight days away from Christmas. Yes, eight days away from Christmas. It has been one heck of a basketball season as of thus far. We are almost a month and a half, over a month and a half through the NBA season, nearly two months into the season at this point. Um, we're, we're definitely past the quarter pull at this point. Some teams are about 30 games in, almost 30 games in at this point. You'd say 30% of the season is over at this point in time. And, you know, last night was a heavy night in the NBA. 12 games happened. Nothing really happened in the world of college basketball. But we do have someone on the line that has been on for a while. It's all good, though. Andrew Norris is back with us today. Andrew Norris is back on the line. I understand it has been crazy out there with phone lines and services and power outages and things of that nature. It's been a blizzard. You could say Hurricane World War Three came through. Andrew, how you been, man? I've been good, man. I hope I don't sound like I'm too far away either. Not only have I been having phone service problems, uh, my phone speaker has not been working whatsoever. Uh, Verizon doing Verizon type thing. Um but you know it's working now as good as I can get it, uh, and like I said, I hope I hope I still got a quality sound to this right now. I think you sound good enough for me. I mean, uh, the, you're in the FanDuel Studios at three two three six four two one five five eight. You sound good enough to me. I mean, it sounds a little crumply, but guess what? You're on the show. That's all that matters. We have tons and tons of dialogue to get to today. Obviously, a big night in the world of the NBA. Um, just a lot happened, a lot of rumors, a lot of things coming around. Andrew, you ready to get this going? Let's go. Let's get it going. Let's get it going, Kevin Hart, man. Kevin Hart, let's go. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. We're going to quick recap everything. We're not going to we're not going to tell everything and every single bit of what happened. We're just going to fly through it. The Spurs get their 14th victory in a row at home. They're now 22-5. and five. They went over the Wizards. 114 to 95 to get the victory there. They're now 22 and 5. They're they're just hovering, playing great basketball as they always do, and they got the victory there and dominated the Wizards. Pacers get the victory over the Mavericks. They're now 15 and 9, 107 to 81. The Dallas Mavericks again now 14 and 12, not playing great as of late, but again the Pacers have been playing outstanding. The Magic get the victory over the Hornets. Four, they're now 14 and 11. Hornets are now 14 and 10. Uh, 113 to 98 was the victory there for the Orlando Magic over the Charlotte Hornets, 
Miami Heat get the winner of the Brooklyn Nets. They're now 15 and nine. The Nets kind of eh, they're, they're starting to fade away a little bit. They're now seven and 18. Whiteboard worthy performance though in the Celtics Pistons game, which we will get to in a little bit, Andrew. In fact, we can talk about it now. Uh, Celtics lose, but the Pistons get the victory, 119 to 116. Isaiah Thomas from Tacoma, Washington, where I preside. I live just south of there, Lakewood, Washington. The Celtics, get the, they don't quite get the victory. They, they hang in there with the team that they have. It was a pretty good second half, actually, if you ask me. It's a really, really fun second half to watch. Isaiah Thomas, 38 points, seven assists, three rebounds, a 55 on the whiteboard worthy performance scale. And these Detroit Pistons, now 15-12 and 12 on the season. I wanted to ask you this. Uh, a couple of days ago and wanted to see where you thought this team resided. Again, the Eastern Conference is very, very loaded. Boston is 14-12. and 12, Atlanta's 15-12. Both teams are out of the out of the playoff race, but Detroit is hanging out around a bottom spot as well. They're in the eighth spot as we speak. What have you seen from this team as of late? You've been mentioning Contavious Caldwell-Pope and his play. He had performance of the night when it came to that team in that game. 31 points, two rebounds, and three assists. What have you seen from this guy and Reggie Jackson and some of the other players on this team that have made them so successful to this point, Andrew? The the thing about KCP is he's not a guy that a ton of people are going to watch. The casual fans not even going to probably know who he is. Um, I have never in my life seen a player play with as much hustle as KCP does. We had a discussion the other day about Joe Kim Noah and his hustle and all that, and I said uh, I think his hustle is a little overrated. Uh, because of the fact that he likes to scream a lot. And and I'm not joking when I say this, but uh, it seems like players who scream every time they grab a rebound or, you know, look like they are when they're pretty unathletic and they run really fast and it looks funky, people turn that into automatically hustle. Um, this guy hustles by putting his head down, making the right decisions. Uh, you know, I saw a play yesterday where he crossed somebody over. I think it was Jay. Yeah, he crossed Jay Crowder over, stepped back, hit a three. He didn't celebrate. He didn't do any of that. He got back on defense and got a steal for a wide-open dunk. It was it was one of my favorite sequences of the year. I guarantee it's on YouTube or Bleacher Report somewhere, Twitter. Um, but it, it's been amazing to watch this guy, the way he hustles and the effort he gives on both ends. He'll go from he, – I mean, he – he played great defense on Steph Curry. He's played great defense on Jimmy Butler, uh, on LeBron. This this guy can guard who who you throw at him as long as it's not a center um, or, or even really a power forward. But when you look at this Pistons team and you look at the seven teams ahead of them, uh, you know, I don't see, besides Cleveland, I only see one team who is definitely better than them. I, I don't think the Bulls are definitely better than them. I, you know, the Pacers and the Heat are probably the closest, definitely better than them. But even that, they they destroyed the Heat and beat the Pacers. Um, and then the Raptors, Hornets, and Magic. I think they're better than two out of those three, if not three out of those three teams. So th- this shows the parity in the Eastern Conference. They're two games back of second place, three games tonight. If they beat the Bulls tonight, they would be one game back of the second-place Bulls. So the way the East has been this year has been unbelievably fun. Uh, but the, I, I think this Pistons team is going to be a little underrated until, and, and we saw it earlier this year, NBA TV picked up a game uh, until they pick up, you know, a couple more and Reggie Jackson, people start realizing this guy's been the most clutch player in the entire NBA. Nobody's been, him and LeBron are way above everybody. Uh, you know, when people see, you know, people know about Andre Drummond, but they don't realize how 
this guy's not just grabbing offensive rebound and put it back in anymore. He's got a post hook. Uh, I mean, we saw him break Chris Paul's ankles, and that, that's he, a seven footer broke Chris Paul's ankle with a behind the back move. Uh, people don't realize the talent on this team and, and the way Stan Van Gundy's coaching them up, but it, it's really something that I can't wait till more games get picked up so people can see it. What's really fascinating about, and you made a great comment about Joe Kim Noah. Look, here's the thing people need to understand in my take on Joe Kim Noah, and you hit it right on the head. Guys overrated from the standpoint of expectations. From the standpoint of expectations. Now, if he was just a guy that you looked at as a piece, which honestly, since the year he won Defensive Player of the Year award, I think the expectations of this guy went through the roof. The guy was already deep into his, you know, he's about five, six years into his NBA career by the time he won his Defensive Player of the Year award. Actually, probably only three or four or five. The guy really is kind of what he's going to be. He's a solid piece. I agree with you. I think his hustle is a little overrated. He is unathletic. He isn't the best player on the floor ever. The thing is, though, when it comes to him being a solid piece, is he overrated from the standpoint of getting paid? Yes. Is he overrated from the standpoint of expectations? Yes. But the thing with him, though, that makes him so great that people, I think, don't look at they look at it from the standpoint of him being an uh, an all-star a defensive uh, force when he's out there he's not he's not as much anymore but when it comes to his overall level of play he gets he kind of fills in the putty if you know what I'm saying like when you put together a team or you put together a roster he's a guy you put on your on your second squad that comes off the bench as a as an eighth or ninth man who comes in maybe late ball games or plays 10 minutes 15 minutes a ball game and he plays outstanding for you in that squad that's not an all-star that's not a that's not a great player that's not even a hustle player that's just a guy that comes in fills in time does it outstandingly and can do a, and play a fantastic role off the bench that's what he does that's all he is People who think that he's more than that and, and do more than that, look, I don't think he has the motor to be that kind of player. He hasn't ever shown that motor to be that kind of player. He can play a 15 minutes like that. He can't play a 30. He can't play a 35 minutes like that. He, he's just not built that way anymore. And, and it's proven over time that if he comes off the bench for an elite squad, he is a scary guy to, to deal with. He just can't do it on an elite level against the best players. He can do it against bench players. He can come off the bench with that energy and spark a team, but that's about it. He can't really do much outside of that. And I agree with you from the standpoint of expectations there. That's why when I was talking to you about him potentially coming to the Spurs next summer, I think it would be I think it would be an outstanding addition considering you got guys like David West and other old veterans coming in there who, you know, probably won't be around or as good or as efficient. This guy can come in as a second squad unit on the on the Spurs bench. And you're, you'd see a bench that would be more enlightened, not that they're already great, but they'd be even better. Um, your KCP point with him, I agree with you. I, I think his defense has been outstanding. He's starting to make his presence known in the NBA that he is becoming one of the more defensive presences we've seen as a shooting guard in the NBA in a while. I mean, you can't really name very, very many other defensive players that are good at the shooting guard position, maybe outside of a guy in Clay Thompson. Uh, Tony Allen is getting up there in age, but he's still outstanding in Memphis. But outside of that, and maybe every once in a while, Matt Barnes, but every once in a while, I mean, outside of that, you've got very few guys in the league who can do it. And KCP is jumping in the conversation of, look, he can pretty much guard one through four in the NBA, maybe even sometimes a five. Um, he's, a, he's a big presence out there at the shooting guard position, and he's proving it in Detroit. And you mentioned it. This Eastern Conference, from bottom to top, and I'm not even talking bottom to – I mean, not bottom to top from the standpoint of Philadelphia 76ers to that, to the, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
I'm talking from all the way to the one spot. Every team is separated by two games in the win column. We're talking win column. Boston has 14 wins. Cleveland has 16 wins. Pistons 15, Atlanta 15, Toronto 16. They're tied win column-wise with, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know they have three more losses. But Miami, Indiana, Chicago, Orlando, Charlotte, they're all separated by two games within the West, within the first place in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference has a long time to, to separate itself out. And I think when we mention these Eastern Conference games, any top ten matchup in the Eastern Conference is going to be probably game of the night because it's going to be a separation factor from here on out. I mean, we're in the middle of – we're in the smack dab middle of December, and we're seeing an Eastern Conference that is just – it is just outrageous how close this is. I mean, I'm telling you, print out a picture of this of this standings as of right now and in the first in the first 20-plus games of the season – it is crazy. Like, it is nuts what we're seeing right now in the Eastern Conference. It's not great. It's not unbelievable. It's just so parody-driven. The Celtics and Bulls, you wouldn't know the difference between these two teams if they played each other right now. They'd probably go to double overtime, and they'd be the same team. Yet Boston is right now the 10th spot, and Chicago is the 2 spot. It's crazy how similar all these teams are. And so I think over the next month or so, we're going to see some incredible basketball between this conference and especially the top 10 teams, it's going to be an insane amount of stuff. But I agree with you on the standpoint of KCP and Joe Kim Noah, I agree, has been an overrated presence in the NBA definitely over the last three or four seasons, if not his entire career coming out of Florida. Um, let's break down the rest first of the game. First team all quick. defense. What's that first team all defense? Oh, KCP? Yeah, you can make the case right now that KCP could be on the first team all defense, if not second team. He should be on an all defensive team right now. He's been playing outstanding, and his ability to guard the best player on the floor. Granted, Isaiah Thomas went off last night, but his ability to guard other guys on that team and make them look just just average and pathetic. He he's doing that, and, and I agree with you from that standpoint. Other games from last night: the Knicks beat the Timberwolves, one hundred seven to one hundred two. Andrew, I don't know if you heard, but my rant on on the Christmas day tradition that needs to be implemented in the NBA about the New York Knicks. Go check that out on episode 31 from yesterday. I did yawn a lot in that episode. I apologize, but sometimes just, just life gets ahead of you. And I yawned. It was bad. Carmelo Anthony had a wipe away the performance though. 20 points, 15 rebounds, nine assists. The guy went absolutely off last night. He rebounds, nine assists, 53 on the wipe away the performance scale and Ricky Rubio. Think about this people 51 on the wipe away the performance scale. This is a very awkward, stat line, but he was only three statistical uh, points away from getting a quadruple double. Nine points, yes, only nine points, but he had 10 rebounds, 12 assists, and eight steals. That is insane for a stat line. I mean, eight steals by itself is, is just crazy. If this guy would have had two more points, you know, another bucket, and a couple more steals near the end of the ball game, you would have talk about a quadruple double, and that's something that is a very, very rare feat. In the NBA, 76ers again lose to the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, 127 to 106. 1-26. Now, here's the funny thing about this team, the 76ers, before I move forward. 1-26, it's almost like they're trying to fix things. Look, this is the first time, and this is the first time I've actually felt this way about this 76ers team, about any team. Over the last couple of games, I've been looking at the box scores just to check out for Wiper where the performance is and to see how teams have done. It's almost like every single time a team plays the 76ers, and the Hawks proved it last night, all they got to do is show up. And this is the first time where I actually believe that if you're, in other, if you're in a team outside of the 76ers, all you got to do is show up, and you'll win. No team on Atlanta had any chance of a wipe over the performance. They played as a team. 
it's almost like they played a scrimmage game in this one against the 76ers. Look, the NBA is clearly trying to find a way to fix this organization, and I wanted to bring that up to you, Andrew, of look – Adam Silver's trying to get it, get it, get involved in this team in the 76ers. He's trying to find a way to find a way to get this team better. Look, and here's the other here's the other dilemma. We got Ben Simmons hanging out in LSU and the NCAA. Do you really think honestly this is what I think is going to happen when it comes to lottery time? I think Ben Simmons is going to answer a question when they ask him, so what do you think about the 76ers? If they get the number one spot, which I agree with you, I think the Lakers will get it cuz the NBA is rigged to a degree, but at the same time, look, how can you not deny the fact that Ben Simmons might come out and say a comment a la Eli Manning and say, I don't want to play for them. You think I want to play for the Chargers or you think I want to play for the 76ers? Heck no. He might come out and say that. And, and there might be a crazy shakeup around the league if this becomes the case. Because this team is so bad. They're, they're so bad. Let me just say – I don't think I've seen a wiper-worthy performance against the 76ers over the last 10 games because teams don't need to play their strengths against this team. They don't. They don't need to play outrageous basketball to beat them. All they got to do is show up. And I haven't said that about an NBA team or a team in sports in general in a long time. That's how bad this team's been. Andrew, what have you seen from the, the news, the rumors of, of, of the NBA trying to involve and kind of governmentalize this team because they've been so bad? Um, you know, I think it's gotten past the point of tanking and to the point where the tanking has caused them to be this bad. Uh, you know, yeah. I think this is the year where they're ready to take a little bit of a step, not much, but a little bit, and, and you know – they realized, oh, wait a minute, Robert Covington's our second-best player. So that's going to be a big problem. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Crazy to say, they might not win seven games, six games, five games. They're that bad. I mean, this is a team that yeah. they're, they're not going to be favored in a game for the rest of the season. They're going to play the Knicks tonight and probably get blown out by the Knicks. Yeah, and I mean the Knicks look better than we thought, but I mean it's it's still a bad Knicks team. You know they got Knicks, then they got Cleveland. What Cleveland should probably just sit everybody. Memphis, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Utah, Sacramento. You're not playing great teams, and guess what? Still going to be blowout city in half those games. Joel Okafor is the type of player who's gonna he, he's gonna pull the Greg Monroe card. He's gonna put up pretty stat yeah. lines. It's gonna look good with his footwork, and he's gonna look good in the post. But I, I just so far, I really feel like those are empty stat lines, and it's not that because I really I'm not a fan of Joel before after everything that's come out. I, I people, you know, I my favorite athlete in the whole world is, is LeBron James, and I hold everybody to the same standard. This guy got famous at 15 years old, and he has never once let the fame get to him. He he's never been arrested. You know, the biggest scandal he's ever been in was whether he got paid to stay at that high school he's been in since he was a freshman, which, okay, I'll take that scandal over knocking out a few guys and getting I hold everybody yeah. to that standard. If he can do it with the amount of fame he could, then you guys can all do it with a half, quarter, tenth the amount of fame he has. Um, so I'm not a fan, but those stat lines that he puts up just feel empty. You know, when you're putting up 25 and 15, uh, although he rarely gets 15 rebounds, those games should be closer, but they're not because he's not playing defense. He's not hustling back on defense to even try. It's you know, it's not only can that he doesn't have the, the best ability to play defense. It's the fact that you know he's not 
he's not, he's not trying on defense enough. But <laughs> still a little bit of breaking news. Uh, it's it's not breaking as in it just came out. It came out probably about a half hour ago. Uh, but it's something I really want to talk to you about because it's it's fascinating to me. Uh, Elon yes. Shumpert had his baby today or oh, yeah. yesterday yeah. thing or something like that. Um, the story is he tied the umbilical cord with a red pair of headphones. And Chris, did you hear what he named his daughter? Yeah, it was Tiana Taylor, right? Or is that the mother? No, Tiana um, Taylor. He named yeah. his daughter Iman. Taylor Shumpert Jr. Oh my yeah, goodness, that's... man! That is that is outrageous. I, I've I've never heard of a father. Not only that, he took his fiance's maiden name and threw it in there, which is kind of uncomfortable. He took his name, which I don't know if he realizes he's a dude and, and she's a chick. And hey, feel free to do you. You know, if you want to name, you know, names are names. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit back and laugh at right. your daughter for having that. I'm going to sit back and laugh at you for naming your daughter Iman Shumpert Jr. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just something I wanted to bring up and get your take on it real quick because I think it is one of the funniest, stupidest, weirdest things I've I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, look, I mean, him calling his daughter Iman, I don't think is an issue. It's just, it, like you said, the context behind it is the fact that his name is also Iman. Um, Iman Shumpert right. is already kind of a, a different cat just by the way he plays. You can tell. There's a thing about NBA players that I've I've come to recognize over time. Those that are great, and I'm talking like crazy good athletic defensive players like Tony Allen, Dennis Rodman, um, you know, obviously Amon Shumpert, uh, Ron Artest. People forget Ron Artest was an outstanding defender. He was crazy defensively. Um, those kind of guys have a screw loose somewhere. And it's not that they're bad people or they're insane or crazy. It's just they're so freakishly good at what they do that they go over the edge a little bit just because they're edgy. They're edgy people because they get in your shorts. They get – they find a way, and I'm not talking like, you know, in a weird way. I'm talking by the way that the way they play defense. They're your jockstrap by the way they play defense because they're so hard on you. And that takes toughness, and sometimes toughness pushes people over the edge. And Amon Shepard's one of those players where he is tough. He plays great perimeter defense, and he's a guy that can get in your shorts. And I think with the way he plays it, to that fashion, I think that implements some of the decisions he makes. And, and this is one of those decisions where it's like, like you said, you question the the, the idea and the, and the idea behind it, but considering the kind of player he is with how reactive, how intense, how how uh, forceful he is on the perimeter of the, of the basketball court, that takes a lot of wherewithal. And with that kind of wherewithal, sometimes players, they change a little bit from the standpoint of their the mentality to things. And maybe his mentality to this changed. And maybe he changed and thought, oh, Amon Taylor, oh, we're going to name them both the uh, the, hus- the the husband and wife or, you know, the, the, the fiance's names together and then call a junior. Maybe he just, you know, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think, again, it's odd because, again, his name's Amon, the little daughter's name's Amon, and it's junior. So that makes it just kind of, you know, and that's just, that's weird. So that's my take on it. Yeah, it's nothing serious. It's just something fun. And, hey, to you, Iman, yeah. uh, we, we still all love you. You're just a different – like you said, he's a different cat. He's different. Exactly. 
And, and recap, recapping some of the rest of these games from last night, the Bulls beat the Grizzlies 98-85. to Talk about a game that was interesting. Uh, you know, the Bulls getting their 15th victory. The Grizzlies are around 500. The Grizzlies are starting to kind of look like the pace setters in the NBA. Basically, if the Grizzlies, if you're not as good as the Grizzlies, you're not anything special at this point because they've really been an average team, 14 and 13. They had kind of a mediocre start to the season. They've had a mediocre last stretch of games. They've been mediocre. They really have. They've just been a mediocre ball club. Thunder destroy the Trailblazers, 106 to 90. Kevin Durant, 24.7 rebounds, four assists. Pretty good game there. Um, and then obviously the Trailblazers, T.J. McCollum and uh, and Damian Lillard combined for 44 points in that one. Uh, the the Pelicans beat the Jazz 104 to 94. It's going to happen when you have uh, Rudy Gobert out. Uh, I mean, obviously the Pelicans are starting to come back to to, to continuity. Seven and 18. The Jazz have dropped to 10 and 14. They have not played well as of late. We're going to try and get Tony Jones here on the show over the next couple of weeks if we can and talk about this team and their struggles. Obviously, I think it's all really relatable to what Rudy Gobert has lost to this team. They were up six going into the fourth quarter, and they lost this ball game by 10. They did not play too well um, in the fourth quarter there, and that really comes down to, uh, to depth and uh, their ability to have the talent that they've lost in Rudy Gobert. A lot of other things have happened as well with that. Um, they're not playing bad. I just, think that, I just think that they got off to a hot start, and I think they're finally starting to hit their stride and who they are as a team. And granted, again, Rudy Gobert loss is not uh, the most favorable thing to happen. Warriors destroyed the Suns last night. They're now 25-1. and Everyone's getting back on the Golden State bandwagon after they lost. Clay Thompson had 27 points in the third quarter. He went off a lot similar to how he played in the January game earlier this year, this calendar year. Um, he had 43 points, two assists, three rebounds, a 50 on the whiteboard with a performance scale, but 43 points automatically puts you in at a whiteboard with a performance. Um, and then another whiteboard with a performance was a triple-double from Draymond Green, 16 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, and five steals, a 52 on the whiteboard with a performance scale. This Warriors team is going coming back. People are saying, oh, it's the start of a new win streak. Look, if they win five, ten games in a row, again, we'll just start talking about them as with the Bulls again. That's all that's going to start happening. Look, and it's very possible that could happen if they put on another five, ten-game win streak. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they got some tough games coming up, especially in uh, Cleveland about a week from now on Christmas Day. I mean, they got a lot of stuff coming their way when it comes to challenges, so I don't necessarily see it happening. But, again, anything's possible with this team, and they've proven us wrong. It's proven you wrong a lot this year, uh, uh, Andrew. Uh, but but it's been it's been a crazy it's been a crazy uh, uh, year for them so far. Again, they get the win over the Suns, one twenty eight to one hundred three, and the Clippers get the victory over the Bucks, one hundred three to ninety. Blake Griffin shot a free throw at the beginning of the game where the lights freaked out in the first couple minutes of that one. It was pretty fun to see that. I just saw the highlight of that right before I started the show. I thought it was pretty fun uh, to see Blake Griffin shoot the free throw. <laughs> the refs trying to figure everything out as the clock was coming on and off. It was pretty fun to see. The Clippers seem to come back. Have come back to regulation here. Uh, they're 16 and 10. They're a top four team in the Western Conference. Uh, they seem to be back when it comes to their ability to be in the Western Conference. And now, as we sit here today, you can make the case that there are now four teams in the Western Conference that have a legitimate shot at winning the NBA title. And, I, and I'm saying that because the Clippers have been playing well. They've won eight of their last 10 games, they've won three in a row now. Oklahoma City's won six in a row. They seem to have found something there in Oklahoma City, obviously, as well. They're now 17-8 and eight since starting 12-8, uh, and eight, a little slow start for them. 8-2 and two as well in their last 10. The Spurs have also been 8-2 and two in their last 10. Golden State. It just seems that everything is clicking for those top four teams in the Western Conference and that they finally got it together and that they finally have done things. One team 
that we have mentioned and that is back in the pro- in, in the in the playoff discussion, but who has been clearly playing under their performance level, and that's the Houston Rockets, twelve and fourteen. You picked them, Andrew, to be a a top a, a team to go to the NBA Finals, which I wouldn't have disagreed with. I had them going to the I have them going to the Western Conference Finals as of yesterday or the day before. I don't believe in this team anymore. I don't. And reason being, it's not that they don't have the talent. It's not that they don't have the ability to, to get far, because they can prove to us that they can put together win streaks and do things. But you talked about empty stat lines when it comes to a guy in Jalil Okafor. My goodness, James Harden's stat line has been the most empty stat lines I've seen all year long. The guy puts up wiper worthy performances nearly every night he puts a basketball on the floor. And it almost is for not. Every time he puts up 33, 6, and 5, or something like that, the team loses. Or, they, or, they, or they're close. Or it's, a, it's so interesting. And now you've got the Dwight Howard rumors going around. We already know from Jake Chapman what Dwight Howard's all about. And these rumors might be more real than we think. What, do you, what is your take on this Dwight Howard rumor situation, James Harden's empty stat line, this Rockets team in general? What do, what do you think from this, Andrew? I get this weird feeling this team is going to blow up after this year. I'm not talking just Dwight Howard. I'm talking James Harden, maybe. Uh, yeah. And, and, again, these these are purely accusations. This is this has no merit behind it whatsoever. But when, when you see a team like this is already way worse than we expected them to be, um, and then on top of that they're going to lose Dwight Howard, uh, and, you know, it's it's only going to get worse. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like they're going to have a cap space. You know, they may have a little, but I from off, off the top of my head, I don't think they're going to have a ton. Um, this is this is a team that could that could just have to restart, man. And you know, getting a new coach, I don't think it's a very attractive job either, especially if Dwight leaves. If Dwight stays, it's going to be a lot easier. You know, these guys have egos. They're going to go, oh, I can fix this. Watch me and step in, think they're going to do something amazing and mess it up even worse because that's normally what happens with these type of teams. Honestly, this reminds me of my Lions, or excuse me, my kitties, uh, who, uh, shout out to my amazing, amazing girlfriend, who when I got to her house last night, was, but I, can, uh, can the receivers get far enough down? I'm joking, I'm joking. That's cold. Uh, but when I got to her house last night, there was Matthew Stafford helmet waiting for me. Uh, for Christmas because I talked her into giving me my Christmas gifts early, and she did because she's awesome. Uh, so shout out to her. But it reminds me of that as where, you know, and I, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan. I'm not one who wants to get rid of him by any stretch. Uh, but there's a lot of people who want to get rid of him. And a co- the coach they hire is going to come in with the mindset of he can fix Matthew Stafford and make him elite. Uh, I think it's a little bit more reasonable with my kitties than it is with the Rockets because I think this Rockets is a bad marriage. Uh, James Harden's the type of player who's going to have a lot of bad marriages. Um, I don't think he can last on the Houston Rockets for the rest of his career. So I think this might be the last year he spends in that red and white jersey. That would be fascinating to see James Harden go somewhere else if he if he did. I, I honestly have no idea where he would land considering the way this team – is constructed, I mean, there have been so many trade rumors thrown out there about what this team might potentially do. And uh, it's, man, I tell you what, this uh, this team, 
does not have the, the, the it factor. They have they have James Harden, they have Dwight Howard. They don't have the it factor in the in the in the guts to really compete because they just they have something about them where they just don't really want to compete, it seems like. Like they want to do everything they can to not win but to be relevant. I don't know if that sounds right, but that's pretty much how I feel every time I watch this team play. It's like, look, every time I watch them play, it's either a two man game, a three man game, there's always one or two guys standing around the perimeter not doing anything. It's James Harden with the ball up top trying to drive the rack, set a pick and roll, do a, do a backdoor screen. It's, it's just simple, unwatchable basketball. It's, it's very tough to watch. They're so talented and they're so good, but they just they can't put together a scheme to, to compete with teams. They don't have an identity. There's just something wrong with that organization right now that just needs to, like you said, blow up and be fixed. You mentioned football, and we have, and I know this is the college football, I know this is the college basketball theme, But we have College Bowl Mania starting on Saturday. And if you want to join our Hooper's Log uh, 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 group, it's called Fuzzed Up. Yes, F-U-Z-Z-E-D, time of year. Fuzzed Up, time of year. Uh, Find it on ESPN. You can find us. Join. Feel more than free to jump in. It's a confidence one, so you might have to take some time to pick out your confidence scale. But we are jazzed as all heck to get it done. 42 bowl games this year. It's going to be a fun time. We're excited to do so. Um, and it should be a, a fun one there. Uh, so when you started talking football, that was the first thing I thought of. And I know, Andrew, I uh, I did I, I put up a the Hail Mary sign thing uh, for you. But at the same time, I mean, there's a lot the Vikings have done. Get back. Here it is. Uh, the season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown. Takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. So there's so there's things out there that you can press on me as well. Uh, that was back in 2003. You were you were a little pipsqueak at that point in time. So was I. I was like 13 when that happened. My life was demoralized. I was crying when that happened. I remember watching that, and I was so upset. Brett Favre goes back too. to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter, near side to the 40, and John Sullivan runs him down at the 47-yard line. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. Looking at that play, he should have just held on to a call. He should have. He could have easily gotten five or six yards if he would have just pulled that thing down and dove forward. But why do you even ponder passing? I mean, you can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Ah, this isn't Detroit, man. Sorry, I like that one. I like that one because it rips me. Let me tell you how not bad I feel for you. You've dealt with that two times in your life. I deal with that every single Sunday. But so I can get my mind off of it and make a few people happy. <laughs> I got a little bit of more news here from the Hooper's Log. Uh, the winner of our college football bowl mania will receive a T-shirt and a bumper sticker, completely complimentary. I will uh, buy it for you. I will send it to your house. Uh, maybe a few other things. Maybe a beanie. We'll look into it. But the winner of the Bull Mania will get that. And who knows? Maybe me and Chris can talk, and maybe we can finally get rid of this 2K. 
Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I would love to give some 2K away if someone wants to jump in and play some college bowl mania. Absolutely, that would be great. But I'm going to just tell people right now, I'm a win. I mean, I'm a win. I don't care what anyone says. I'm a win. I this is I I love this stuff. I love. I've been doing this for like five years. I've won. I think three of my five years. I've done it. I have dominated in this. I, I want to see a listener win. But I, I I'm pretty confident in my. I'm pretty sure you'll do a good job too, Andrew. You watch college football all the time. You know a lot more about it than I do. And I feel pretty competent. And and you said that your Detroit Lions feel. You know, you feel this every Sunday. Look. You feel it on a minor scale every Sunday. Look, and I'm not saying that it's, that it's any better, but you feel it all the time, it, it, but it's not as big because the games aren't as darn as matterful. For the Vikings, it's like a, it's like a buildup to the crescendo. It's like watching a fantastic movie, right? You're watching a great movie. You're seeing a great thing happen. And then all of a sudden you see a freaking blizzard and a snowstorm and a freaking wall hit you. Like, that's what it's like every single time. We're doing something good. We're doing good. We're, we're almost there. We're there. And then you have something like this happen, like last Thursday. Oh, Get no, back. Yeah, here it is. Happened. Can't take a sack either. The ball comes out. Was it a pass or a fumble? Ruling on the field is a fumble and a recovery by Campbell. It was Freeney who hit him. <laughs> Exactly. So you so it's like it's like you have such a good thing coming and happening and then boom, it ends. I was listening to the Vikings broadcast on that one and Paul Allen sounded like the moment it was like he was getting excited, you know how Paul Allen Paul and as you heard him on that Vikings Cardinals call. Uh he, he gets so excited, he's he's jazzed up, he's happy, he's professional, he keeps it very even kill, but when the Vikings choke like you heard on that Brett Favre interception, he just gets down. He just doesn't care. He just he throws his new newspaper up in the air and he walks away. That's what he did on that play. When I heard it, I turned off the game. I almost got sick. It was just oh my gosh, it was just a tough tough thing to listen to. Um, but back to basketball as we took our as we took our segue uh, to a whole other level of other things. I wanted to ask you some things real quick that before we head out of here and there's only three games on in the NBA tonight. There's nothing. Nothing out of the ordinary. It's a TNT Thursday here on the CLNS Radio. And if you'd like to call in, feel free. The phone number is 323-642-1558. But I wanted to ask you a couple of questions real quick before we, uh, we, we, we break down these games for tonight. I mean, it's not very long. You talked about refs reacting to players the other night, and you talked about this Boston Celtics and uh, Cleveland game from Tuesday night. I wanted to get your reaction to that on the show so I could react. Could you, could you feel free to talk about that stuff? Yeah, the the problem I have with the refs in in today's NBA, um, <laughs> James Harden is a prime example. These refs respond more to the head moving or or the arm or the ball flying out of somebody's hands than they do the actual contact that's made. Uh, now, the the simplest rule I think in the entire NBA. Because if you're straight up, it's not a foul. If you stand your ground and you go straight up, it is not a foul. Now, that call is never, almost never made accurately. Uh, and, and the problem is when these players go into somebody, they'll throw the ball up like they just got shot in the chest. Now, it, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I can't say like these guys are bad because – it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world. These guys are the fastest, strongest people in the world. They're professional athletes. It's unreal. Um, so then when people like Tommy Heinsohn, the Boston Celtics uh, play-by-play guy, 
jump on and start going off not only on the refs but on LeBron, which, by the way, I, I get I'm a LeBron fan, and it's this is not because it was LeBron. When he started whining about LeBron, quote-unquote, whining, that was one of the most – and he does it every game, but it was really, really bad. That was one of the most – and, you know, we're on CLNS, so sometimes you don't want to say stuff like that on a Boston Boston station, but – that was one of the most embarrassing, most unprofessional 20 minutes of basketball I have ever heard in my life, okay? Your job is not to go out there, whine about the rest, and whine about players who you don't like, who are clearly dominating your team. Your job is to go out there, be the play-by-play guy, talk about the game, talk about, you know, if the refs make a bad call, maybe you can talk about the bad call, but you do not do it the way Tommy did. And I know a lot of you people are probably thinking, oh, who is this guy? You know, he, Tommy's a legend. This guy's some chump on a, on a daily podcast. Right. You know, it, but it, it does not change the fact that this was one of the most unprofessional things I've ever heard. If it was somebody who was in the NBA for five years, they would be getting ripped to shreds. But he's been with the Celtics since he was a rookie. Forever. He beat out Bill Russell for rookie of the year. Terrible. If, it, if that was... You know, I I, am, I get the absolute treat of being able to listen to George Blaha every game, who is one of the better, you know, uh, announcers in the game, along with uh, Gregory Kelser, former NBA player. Those those guys do a tremendous job. You can hear sometimes in their tone where they're like, what are these refs doing? Come on. And then, but they know I'm a professional. I am I am analyzing this game. I am announcing this game. I have to keep it professional, and they don't go off. They might disagree with the call, which is fine, but the way he went about it and does go about it is awful. Uh, and I know yeah, it's a hard topic, I, but that, go ahead. I heard I heard I heard what you I heard what he said on on uh, on Bleacher Report the other day. They talked about what he was saying, and yeah, it was. I agree with you. It was completely uh, it was completely out of line. I, I, like you said, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been a problem if he said, "Come on, what the heck," and then just moved on. But he, like you said, he he, he embellished on it. He went over the top with it. it. It just became something that was just. It was a little too much, as you know. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say, but yeah, it's just, you know he does it every game, and and when you start attacking players, uh, you know, away from he wasn't even talking about the game anymore. You know, he he, no. he got away from the game and started talking about a whole bunch of crap to, you know, get his own agenda, you know, taken care of. That's not your job. People in Boston and on CLNS don't want to hear it. Do your job better, period. Yeah, I think he does his job fantastic. But with that circumstance, I agree with you absolutely. I think any any broadcaster outside of the Phoenix Suns broadcasters, because guess what? Those guys are hilarious. They're going to make fun of everything that they do, and they're outstanding at it, and they're aloof. I love it. But outside of them, I agree with you. I think when the people take it seriously and they and they try to be this serious foe to override the situation and try to put your own agenda on board, it becomes a joke. We got three games on in the NBA tonight. We got about a minute and a half left in the show. Um, got about a minute and a half left on the show. I wanted to just break these games down real quick. Uh, we got we got lines and all that kind of stuff. Raptors and Hornets again. Top two, top ten teams in the Eastern Conference. Going to be an outstanding game. Toronto's favored by a point and a half. Take Charlotte in the in the in in the plus point one point and a half. They're gonna get. I think they're gonna win tonight. Thunder and Cavs. This is a must watch, no doubt about it. Game of the night. Obviously, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Hopefully, I wish Kyrie Irving would be back, but I heard he's not gonna be back. Uh, the Cavs are favored by three. Take the Cavs. Take the Cavs in the three. I know the Thunder have been playing outstanding ball, 
but that's going to be a fun one to watch there. Rockets and Lakers, uh, this is probably the most unwatchable game of the year. Rockets have been playing terrible as of late. The Lakers have Kobe, but the only guy to really watch in this game, if you plan on watching this, is Julius Randle. This guy is nearly averaging a double-double, and he's been getting a double-double almost the last, like, five or six games. He's been playing off his rocker when it comes to the way he's been playing basketball. Houston's favored by six. Honestly, I think the Lakers will win. They've been playing good basketball as of late. Not great, but good enough. The Rockets have been off and on, and whenever they're off, they get taken advantage of by anybody. And I think the Lakers will get the victory there, and I think they'll win over the Rockets. Take the plus six for L.A., plus plus one and a half for Charlotte, minus three for Cleveland, and then plus six for the L.A. Lakers. Andrew, take it away. Yeah, I got uh, I got Cleveland, uh, you know, even with the line over Oklahoma City. Uh, it's it's so fun. And we haven't got the chance to in a while watch a healthy LeBron take on a healthy Kevin Durant. This I, I am so excited for this game starting at 8 o'clock on TNT or something, you know, that's weird about basketball. It actually will start at 8-10. Uh, I, I've never really yeah. understood that or five ten Pacific. Um, I, I do like Cleveland and Cleveland in that one though. It's in quick and long. Uh, I think the Raptors are going to further expose Charlotte as a bunch of phonies. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's amazing how in the first half of the season how people can go up and down. Two night, two three nights ago, I heard people talking about, you know, I'm not ready for a world where the Hornets dominate everybody. And then they're talking about how they're a bunch of phony. It goes back and forth. I think they're phony. I think they're good, above average, more so than good even. And I think the Raptors take it to them in Time Warner Cable Arena. And then tonight, I bet you a lot of money Dwight Howard gets gets the ball a lot. Marcus Thornton and Corey Brewer have a higher usage percentage than Dwight Howard. If that doesn't get pointed out to J.B. Bickerstaff and the rest of J.B.'s Bickerstaff, then I don't know what's ah. going to change it because, right, right, that's a good one. Uh, that was a good one. This is something that needs to change for this team to improve. Dwight Howard's still a damn good NBA player, uh, but I got the Rockets taking it to the Lakers, and the Lakers will be four and twenty-two after this one. Repeat that to yourself a wow. hundred times and get the time machine. Hop back, hop back ten years, and tell yourself in ten years the Lakers will be four and twenty-two on December seventeenth. And and then yeah, don't get yourself in the face because they think you're crazy. But it's just amazing how far this team has fallen. But I got the Rockets easy. Well, and you even mentioned it yourself. And before we head out of here, I wanted to get this take from you. We, we're past the live edition. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't care. You're on Apple iTunes. You're on CLNS Radio. You, you, you're you probably just listening to the podcast. But if you were listening live, clearly you've been cut off already. But if you're listening to the podcast, keep listening. We got one more take before we head out of here. You just mentioned it, 4-22, and 4-21, and 21, potentially 4-22 and 22 tonight if they lose to the Rockets. Kobe Bryant is – these talks have gotten serious now of him potentially being in the All-Star game for 2016. Look, I, I, my opinion first – I'll give you my opinion first. Look, the guy is a living legend. You can make the case he's top ten. He is – I, I believe he's a top ten player all time. Here's the thing, people. This isn't Kobe Bryant from four years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, even ten years ago like you just mentioned. This isn't that Kobe Bryant. This is a Kobe Bryant that is a in the wheelchair, rocking chair, you name it. Now, if you want to put Kobe Bryant on as like an assistant player or, or something, or what, putting him in the All-Star game does a disservice to the NBA, and here's the reason why. Look, it does a service for the NBA because it honors a legend, but at the same time it does a disservice because, look, are we going to do this where every single time a living legend or a guy who's played in the league forever 
we, we decide to put him in the all-star game because he has a name recognition value. I, I don't want to put a guy like Vince Carter in the all-star game when he decides to hang him up because that's, that's just not okay. He's not Vince Carter of the past. In fact, you can make the case that right now Vince Carter has been a better player than Kobe Bryant. You can make that debate because, look, Vince Carter is about the same age, if not older, than Kobe Bryant, and the guy has actually been a better basketball player, more efficient basketball player than Kobe Bryant. Granted, he doesn't play 10 or 20, 25 minutes a game. He probably plays only 10, 15, but he's still more efficient. He uses all of his minutes to his discretion. There are way, way better basketball players on the planet right now than Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is near the end. Putting him in the all-star game would do a disservice because he's been so bad. And if you're going to put him in as like a reserve and play him only five minutes at the end or whatever, okay, whatever. But when it comes to just him being there and being in the discussion of being in it, it rubs me the wrong way. It's a little weird. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't think Kobe even thinks he deserves to be there. I mean, he said that in the past. There have been times in the past where he's been hurt, like a couple years ago within the last couple years, or even before that where he said, no, I'm not an all-star. Don't put me in, please. And and he's told them, and I think he's going to say the same thing in this circumstance, but it's so weird that people want to just anoint him in the all-star game just because his name is Kobe and he has this praise. It's, it's just weird to me. I don't know. What's your take, Andrew? I was originally uh, with you on that, and, and I still am when it comes to a guy like Vince Carter. Even when it comes to a guy like like Dirk when he eventually retires, uh, you know, it's it's very few and far between. You get not just – not only is he a living legend as far as play goes, but he's one of the biggest icons in the history of the league, one of the most famous players in the history of the league. And I talked about this uh, when I did uh, Monday or last Monday or whatever it was. I, I spoke at this a little bit. Um, I think when you have a top ten, maybe even top five player ever retiring, that guy, you know, just throw him in there. I I don't even care if Kobe starts. You know, get him get him a shot. Get him ten shots for all I care. This guy's given so much to this league and and has grown this league so much. Uh, you know, just just let him get that one more one more time with the spotlight on him with the chance to do something in a game that, you know, as much as it doesn't matter, it still matters as far as how many people are watching and, and how special something can be. Imagine if Kobe went out and, and won the – I mean, if he plays, he's winning the All-Star Game MVP, which will kind of bug me. But uh, imagine if right. he goes out and drops 20 points. That that would be so amazing, just magical. And I, I think it's something that, you know what, it, it's one year, it's one player who's going to get snubbed. It's all right. Let's Let's get him in there. And to be honest, I don't even think there's that. I mean, to, to to answer your point, if he does get in, I think honestly it wouldn't be a problem because this is kind of a year where it's been kind of a weird year for all stars so far. And granted, it's still early. We still got about two months till the all star break, so it's still early, and and we don't know ultimately who should be in. But for right now, it looks like if we put Kobe Bryant in, I don't think you really consider a major snub in the Western Conference because the Western Conference, to be honest has been the weaker conference when it comes to parity. I mean, it has. And there's only really four teams that I would consider to put multiple all-star team, multiple all-star guys in. And if you do, that's eight guys. And if you put eight guys in, I don't think anyone's going to be upset if you take out some other players. But as we know, the Lakers Great. are really just playing Martin this. missed the jump shot. Quarterman with a nice outlet. Simmons on the move. And he missed the dunk!
like all he thinks. 